This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good morning and welcome on board. It's the Danny Mac Podcast to follow Championship Sunday as we inch our way closer to Glendale, Arizona, the site of Super Bowl 57 on the 12th of next month, 13 days away from the big game with Roman numerals. There is so much to talk about and so little time to get it all done in this episode. Episode number 53. I went back and counted them because I can do that. That Those are where my math skills end. Simple addition, multiplication, division. Once you put me in pre-algebra in seventh grade, I'm a lost soul. And uh, literally I was for an entire school year. But that's a topic for another day. It's It's an exciting show, I hope, on this 53rd. I have I have fewer notes today in front of me than I have at any of the previous 52 runs of the Mac podcast, which started the first week in August. 51 of those shows have been football almost exclusively. There was one baseball show I did in August, and it was the least spirited of any show I ever did, and I won't make that mistake for you again. I'm going to keep it to what I know, and that is football and what I love the most and what I can speak about with the most passion. Football and broadcasting and thoughts on both of those today. My two professional passions, and those worlds collide regularly for me, and it makes me glad that I still have the chance to do this and flap gums about my favorite uh, pastime twice a week with you here on the podcast network of Bet Rivers. Thank you, Adam Delavid, for the opportunity. I'd like to open today with congratulations to both conference champions, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. They are the most deserving of this trip to the Super Bowl. They both were the better teams Sunday. They both were terrific uh, all season. Both of them were absolutely um Worthy of being number one seeds, nothing cheap about it. And for Kansas City, it was the fifth consecutive conference title game in their ballpark. And that is amazing when you can consistently consistently put the best team in your conference on the field during the regular season and earn that right. And now getting there for for uh, the third time in four years is a tremendous compliment to Andy Reid and his staff and everybody in the organization because I agreed with the Bulls when they unpopularly stated a few years ago, management 
builds dynasties. He Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf were right when they said players win championships, organizations make dynasties. The Chiefs have one of those organizations. They are a model franchise. They play in one of the oldest stadiums or stadia, if you prefer, in all of sports. And the atmosphere there yesterday evening was absolutely off the charts cool. And uh, just a big pat on the back to the Chiefs. They did everything they had to do yesterday. And uh, I, I commend them, both sides of the ball. They were terrific. The Philadelphia Eagles also are most worthy of um, the plaudits they received today. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, if you weren't a believer before the season began, you damn better well be at this point. He's 16-1 and on the season, and he didn't have you know much for the highlight reel last night, but God, he played mistake-free. He did what he had to do to win the game. He didn't give it away, and he tucked the ball safely into the gut of Miles Sanders. Um, Miles Sanders. Man, this guy, he's got a little bit of time before he has to really put on a game face. You got a few days to catch your breath before you get on a, a buggy and head out to the desert. If I were Miles Sanders, I'd be picking out a new toy. He is going to break the bank, and few guys at in his vocation, professional running back, get a chance to do that these days. He's a free agent, and he is going to really reap the benefits of a fantastic year this year. Pick out a new toy, whether it's a sports car, a motorcycle, a boat, a ski boat, or a fishing boat. Personally, I recommend the combo platter because, you know, you, you like to do both. If you like wreck boating, and I'm sure Miles Sanders would enjoy a little of that. If he's not a fisherman, get one that does both. Get one that does both. It was incredible what the Eagles did yesterday to harass 49ers quarterbacks Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson. It was – and uh, they – they led the league in sacks this year with 70 and were close to setting an NFL record, and it was on display yesterday. Hassan Reddick just wrecked the game. San Francisco had no answers for that pass rush. The Niners get more recognition for their pass rush because they had the defensive player of the year this year in Nick Bosa. He's an amazing athlete. But yesterday, it was Philadelphia that just punished San Francisco, a team that is protected well. And it had to because you rolled out a, a rookie quarterback who was the last player chosen in the draft, as you know. You might have heard that a time or two since Brock Purdy took over for the injured Jimmy Garoppolo, who had taken over for the injured Trey Lance and all the praises going at the feet of Kyle Shanahan. And I'll get to him after I'm done praising the Eagles for a job well done. It cannot be, it can't be overstated how cool it is to see a front seven just rock ass week after week. And that's what Reddick number seven and Fletcher Cox do did yesterday. And Diamond Kong Sue is still a player you better pay attention to in this league. And I had a fun text exchange yesterday. You probably have a few of these too, a few threads with three or four buddies, fantasy football team or league mates. Maybe they're guys you played high school ball with, just guys you hang out, guys you like to talk football with. 
I have four or five of those group exchanges going every week. Yesterday, and yesterday, one of the guys wanted to point out how much of a son of a bitch, son of a bitch, Sue has been in his career, and I agreed with him completely. And he's one of those guys who just doesn't give an f about the safety of the other team. He's been a dirty player, but he's been an exciting player and a powerful dude with such. An amazingly powerful lower body and thickness, top to bottom. Strength with his chest. His punch was in the top of his game, unrivaled in the league. And he gave fits to the Bears all those years. And it was fun watching him go at it with Olin Krutz when they did go head-to-head because he was the nastiest SOB the Bears have had. And really the best pick they've had offensively. So far in the 21st century, maybe Justin Fields will accomplish what Olin Krutz did at some point. But all roads do not have to lead back to Lake Forest. Let's stick to teams that are worthy of of going to the Super Bowl. And that's that's what Kansas City and Philadelphia are. So Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, and you just keep going. Lane Johnson, the tackle, who held his own yesterday against a real good pass rusher. Those guys get nothing but praise from me. Philly now is going to its second Super Bowl in six years. They were the best team start to finish in the NFC. I I was rooting for San Francisco yesterday, but I can say it because it's the truth. Philadelphia kicked the shit out of them. There are no excuses for the 49ers. None. They, they lost to a better team yesterday. Had Purdy not gotten hurt, maybe things are different, but I don't know about that. He he was going to have an uncomfortable day, no matter how good his elbow felt, because the Eagles are relentless. That's a great defense, and it's going to be fun in a couple of weeks to watch them get after Patrick Mahomes. This should be a good Super Bowl. It should be uh, a game that has defensive stars for both teams, Two of the best quarterbacks in pro football. One guy was en route to winning an MVP this year, and that's Hurts. And then he got injured, and Patrick Mahomes jumped in the driver's seat, and he's going to win the MVP on awards Thursday this year, which to my chagrin is not being hosted by Keegan Michael Key. We get, uh, oh, who's the chick from, um, what is it, American Idol? Who, uh, Kelly Clarkson? Is that the show she won years ago? She's uh, she's our MC for this year's award show. Praise be to the Chiefs and to the Eagles. Super Bowl combatants in a couple weeks in Arizona. All right, now for the downside. Here is the downslope of this show today. I I typically suffer NFL postpartum depression a day or two after the Super Bowl. It occurs to me then I'm really going to miss my Sunday friend, my Thursday night buddy, my Monday night companion. I've got seven months in front of me before the next game is kicked. That means something. And the training camp gets old after a week. You really get sick and effing tired of it as much as you anticipate it. And I don't have the luxury of loving other sports. I don't have the ability to say, okay, I just trade my NFL for NBA or the NHL. That doesn't work for me. I couldn't care less about either. That's one of the biggest reasons I bailed 
from sports radio. Yeah, I got fired. I haven't forgotten that, but I was flagging anyway. I was, I was checked out as far back as 2013, 10 years ago. I should have taken a pass when the score brought me back in 2018. It was willful delusion thinking I could muscle out another five years. I knew I couldn't. I was sick of talking NBA. I didn't want to do it anymore. It pained me. I love my NFL. I love guy talk, but I didn't want to do that other stuff. So I experienced the postseason depression almost immediately after the Super Bowl. This year it came 15 days early, and I'll tell you why. I wanted to see San Francisco and Cincinnati. Of course, like everybody else, I wanted to be proved right And I said in August, man, why is no one giving any credit to the Bengals? They're the defending conference champions. They have the the defending MVP in Joe Burrow. They've been one of the best wideouts in the game in Jamar Chase. And they've got really good DBs. Why aren't the why aren't the Bengals more of a more of a favorite? I get it, you know, put Mahomes and the Chiefs in front, but the Bills went there too, and there were people who liked the Chargers better. Then they did my guys this year, and uh, I was kind of riding the Bengals, and I was hoping they'd get another chance. They've they've not won uh, one of these games with Roman numerals yet, and I remember their two losses to San Francisco. Both were incredibly close. Super Bowl 16 at the Silverdome in Detroit when Pete Johnson couldn't get in from the one-yard line on several attempts. And then the game in Florida, the Stanley Wilson game, when Boomer Esiason took the Bengals to the Super Bowl. Stanley Wilson was a Bengals running back who decided to have a blow party, a cocaine binge the night before the game, and he missed. That that will probably get you a little bit thinned out before kickoff if you go on a yayo bender. Not a good idea. Uh, so that was the game where you know, the Niners went 91 yards in a minute and a half or whatever it was, part of the Montana legend, and that knocked the Bengals out that year in their second meeting with San Francisco in the Super Bowl. And then you recall last year they get there and came up short against uh, Matt Stafford and the Rams. So I, I'm bummed because my two teams didn't get there. I'm bummed because yeah, I hate seeing injuries swing the impact of a game. And I don't care which way I bet. If Jalen Hurts would have gone down in the first quarter, I would have had duck lips face. I would have had an expression of sadness because on the biggest stages, you want the biggest stars. I want the best product. I'll lose the 200 bucks in juice gladly if it's a fair fight. If if guys get the opportunity to give the league its best showing and it wasn't yesterday. That was that was the ugliest playoff game I can remember in a long long time and that was another conversation I had with a thread of fellas yesterday who love football was the worst playoff game you can remember. And there are several things that made that game a bad one. The the lack of composure at the end of the game in San Francisco with Trent Williams, all of the extracurricular stuff, guys leaving the bench, frustration, the absence of class, no sportsmanship demonstrated. I hate that. I hate it at any level. 
And, you know, I was taught by little league coaches and high school football coaches to represent yourself in class and, and both when you win and when you lose. And the Niners didn't do that yesterday. Hate seeing injuries swing outcomes. Hate seeing when officials make phantom calls that swing games like they did in the second game yesterday. The extra third down the Chiefs were given. That is not being talked about enough today. Now it is in Cincinnati. You've got, you know, an opportunity to get. I know the Chiefs didn't score. I understand that, Mike Florio, and I love Florio's work on his site and on the air, radio and television. But to say it didn't matter because Kansas City didn't score is, is bullshit. You kept the ball away from Joe Burrow. You kept the defense from feeling really good about itself. You gave them an extra play. Ron Torbert, the official, mysteriously waving. Well, you know, we uh, we didn't have the uh, the game clock was still rolling. That's a terrible explanation after the game. It deserves to be picked apart. It should be. The league owes its fans, Bengals and otherwise, an explanation today what the F happened on that play because it sure looked shady. And I'm an advocate of the officiating profession. This started a long time ago for me. I respect what they do. And just last week, if you heard the show, you know I was reminding people of of how bad it was when replacement officials had to do the job when there was a work stoppage, there was a lockout. The referees union finally got some power 10-ish, 11, maybe 12 years ago. You remember the Seattle Green Bay Monday night game and the terrible call with the replacement officials. And uh, the league says, all right, we got to make these guys happy because the replacements are. I believe those guys who officiate these games are the best at what they do. I respect the craft. I know how hard it is getting to know some of these zebras over the years, like Jerry Markbright, who's local and officiated in four Super Bowls. More, More Super Bowl referee shots than anybody in the league's history. And I've talked to Jerry at length about that process, how you go from being a Big Ten line judge to someday getting a chance to work a crew in the NFL and learning from people in your fraternity. It is a very cool profession, and I respect it. But when things happen as they did yesterday, it makes me have, you know, those those rare moments of skepticism that the league is pulling strings. And I don't think it is. But when shit like that happens, you have to, you wouldn't be human if it didn't occur to you, this ain't right. This isn't right. The, the, the third down do-over is just garbage. It is so unacceptable. So bad. I'm so mad at Joseph Asai for hitting Patrick Mahomes two steps out of bounds with eight seconds left on the clock. What are you doing? And teammates who who yelled at him when they walked through the tunnel have no reason to apologize. Why in the F did you touch him? One of his teammates said. And, you know, some people want to pound that guy. And he's felt bad enough. Asai felt bad enough. You know, he should feel bad. He caused his team the F in game. 
that was more responsible for the Chiefs winning and that thing not going in overtime than any play that happened in the previous 59 minutes and 52 seconds. That all was out the window. You push Mahomes on a cold day when there's no way Andy Reid is going to let Harrison Butker try to kick one from 60 yards. They'd have gone for it. Uh, you know, if they were going to kick a field goal at that point, they're going for it if they're that far away. It was a very short potential field goal for any kicker yesterday at Arrowhead Stadium, the ballpark formerly known as Burrowhead Stadium. And Asai pushes him out of bounds. Butker kicks a 45-yard field goal game over. What a terrible finish. What a terrible finish for the Bengals, who were a great defense last week against Buffalo and did a nice job yesterday against the Chiefs for the most part. Yeah, Mahomes got his 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns, but he's Patrick freaking Mahomes. He's the half-a-billion-dollar man. He's the best quarterback in the game. They did all right against him. And, uh, you know, Burrow was was very good when he was getting a chance to throw. They swallowed him up yesterday. And I've yet to mention Chris Jones. My bad on that. That dude is a monster. And he was, you know, just as Hassan Reddick was the MVP in the first game for Philadelphia, Chris Jones was the MVP in the second game. I can smile at least today. Because defensive players made as big a difference, bigger probably, than anybody yesterday. But I'm still blue over officiating, swinging a game. And, you know, back quickly to the 49ers and the way they bowed out. Before that thing got out of hand, the great Kyle Shanahan, asleep at the wheel, on the conversion to A.J. Brown, the receiver, Philly has the ball inside the 10-yard line, and Brown is urging his teammates, hurry up, hurry up, get to the line of scrimmage, get up here before they throw the challenge flag. And Shanahan keeps the flag in his pocket. When they tell you, I didn't make that catch, by gesturing and gesticulating in an animated fashion, get up here, guys, get up here, we got to snap this puppy. That's when you throw the flag. Where was Shanahan? What was he watching? What was he thinking? And when the world was coming apart for poor Josh Johnson, 10 years in the league and none of us know who the hell he is. I didn't either. I, who? Who? Who is number 17? 10 years? 13? 14 teams? How did I miss him? He was very missable. And he was missable when he was... Uh, in high school, because he wound up at San Diego. Now, that's not uh, Thornton Community College. That's one for you, Coach Shelbourne, uh, where I played in South Holland years ago. But it's it's not center ring, and that's where Josh Johnson played his college ball. So don't feel bad if you didn't know Josh Johnson yesterday. And Josh Johnson looked like he didn't know the NFL game yesterday. He was so overwhelmed. The pre-snap penalties play clocks expiring and motion penalties. He was so lost and they missed Brock Purdy so much. So with desperation, staring Kyle Shanahan in the face, does he think about doing something outside the box? Maybe putting Debo Samuel deep in punt return? No, he didn't. He didn't, he didn't think of anything creative. 
Shit, Andy Reid didn't have the game falling apart for him later in the day, and he was trying things that were creative. It was a terrible pass Travis Kelsey threw, that lateral, trying to have – he had a nice spiral, but it was way off target to Jarek McKinnon, and the Chiefs were fortunate they didn't turn that over. But there was nothing that was, you know, incredibly brilliant about Kyle Shanahan, who gets a ton of plaudits. And he's deserved him. He's grown as a head coach. I'm not dismissing what he's done in San Francisco. He's made up for his horrendous Super Bowl play calling years ago when he was the coordinator for Dan Quinn and the Atlanta Falcons. I have forgiven him for that. Not forgiven his head coach for not grabbing him by the shirt collar, though, and saying, run the effing ball. Let's, uh, let's make this game shorter while we have a lead on Tom Brady. But Shanahan yesterday underwhelmed me. I know I'm bouncing all over the place. I said I didn't have a ton of notes, and I don't. Uh, pretty much shooting from the hip today. Uh, inspired by some play yesterday, dispirited by some of the way it, it shook out in both games, and that's why postpartum depression set in 15 days early for me and I have yet to mention bad broadcasting which was under my skin again yesterday and I'm going to try to make these comments without letting my pulse get above 70 and start having veins popping out of my forehead and spitting all over the microphone I'm going to try to do this more calmly than I did last week, whether it was here on the podcast or on my terrestrial show Friday, because I still take a lot of pride in the profession that made me millions of dollars and allowed me to go through life really without having a job. I have respect for the craft. I have admiration for those who put a lot of effort into the craft. And when those who ascend to the biggest positions don't do their jobs professionally. I am I am offended by it, and I am going to call them out on it. I'm happy to praise the good work when I see it and hear it. Greg Olson recognizing Nick Bosa, not getting pressure past Jalen Hurts yesterday, not losing contain, thus giving himself an opportunity to take a good angle of pursuit. And charging hard on Hertz and forcing a rush throw, an incompletion. That's good analysis. That was on the first series of the game, I believe. And it occurred to me, I haven't gotten that in a month of Tony Romo. That's that's more analysis of a defensive player making something happen than I've heard all from the number one guy at his network from smiling Tony Romo. Happy to be at the ballpark, Tony Romo. And the world is turning on Romo as I did almost immediately, like, like you, I admired his enthusiasm. How can you not? You want a guy who sounds like he's happy to be there, don't you? But his, his, his lack of want to put any effort into his job, researching the players on the field is being exposed as time rolls on and people hear more of him. They know he has become reliant on his, ability to predict plays, which he failed at several times yesterday, including the Travis Kelsey touchdown, which he completely got wrong. If you recorded the game, go back and watch it and listen to it. And then he tries to defend his position 
a couple series later when he when he also made a bad prediction. Well, he could have thrown it to the flat there. Like, you know, Tony, relax. And really, who cares if he makes predictions? I expect guys who quarterbacked in the league, as long as he did, to be able to watch enough tendencies of a team when you're doing your prep and say, okay, when they run this motion out of this formation with this personnel package, this is what's going to happen. It's called coaching. It's called prepping. And when you're a quarterback, when you're a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, you got to study these things. You should know them. He doesn't do any background on the players. And for the second straight week yesterday, he did not know the name of Bengals offensive lineman, Max Sharping. Second straight week, uh, he didn't know his first name. He didn't give us any of the names of the three replacement starters for the Bengals' offensive line. Fortunately for Romo, the defensive star of the game he broadcast yesterday is a household name, Chris Jones. He can go. He can look at the roster for 30 seconds, and that's his prep for the defense for the game he's doing each week. Okay, who is this week? Oh, I see. I see. We got Chris Jones, 15 and a half sacks this year. Here's what I'll say. If you're going to have any chance against the Chiefs' pass rush today, you better block Chris Jones. Check that box. Done with defense for the day. It's what he's been all year. It's what he's been most of his career. And why not, I guess, if you're getting away with it and they're paying you $18 million or whatever, $17, $18 million a year to do what you're doing, somebody must like it. He, he's gotten bad, and I'm thrilled to see him taking the beating he's taking in social media today. And I don't say that very often because I think Twitter Nation is full of assholes who have keyboard muscles and think it's their it's their job to request a pound of flesh for anybody who dares to say anything that can be viewed as out of line based on today's standards, whether you're you're stereotyping based on gender, based on sexual orientation. There are people out there just just waiting for that opportunity to not get any background, to not gain any context, but demand off with his head if he steps out of line. There's way too much of that on Twitter. I hate that cesspool. The freight train of hate and indignation. That's an expression my former radio partner, Matt Spiegel, used to use for a show that followed ours, um, the Boris and Bernstein show on the score. And I thought that was a very funny and very accurate depiction of Boris and Bernstein. They were good at it, but it just it, it ain't for everybody. That's what Twitter is. Twitter is mean, and they are sharpening their their blades for Romo today. And uh, he deserves it. Olsen, Olsen was such a better broadcaster yesterday. Uh, a failure on the broadcast crew for Fox, however. Aaron Andrews, the highly compensated and popular sideline reporter, didn't give us anything on, on what was happening on the 49ers sideline. As Christian McCaffrey was being... Uh, you know, is he's trying to find a helmet that fits, that has the earpiece in it because he might have to be the emergency quarterback because now Josh Johnson, the great Josh Johnson, 
is injured, he might have to just, I don't know what they do, run Wildcat, formerly known as the single wing, once upon a time. That's, I guess, what they were going to do. And McCaffrey had a calf, so they're working on his calf at the same, and he went into the game with a sore calf. So they're working on that. At the same time, they're trying to get a helmet with an earpiece in it. I mean, it's it's disaster at every turn in, in that spaceship. You're just trying to keep it from burning. Uh, and, uh, and Aaron Andrews has several minutes to gather something and all they can muster is is B-roll, video, a few minutes earlier of, of laughter. George Kittle is getting a smile on the face of Brock Purdy. He made him smile. That's, that's given me everything I need to know. That's, that's really the showing how valuable that sideline credential is. I know they make reporters keep their distance to a degree but Aaron Andrews likely has as much access as anybody to what is said on a sideline and the best she can come up with is six seconds of video of George Kittle making Mr. Irrelevant smile a little bit that's that that added nothing that was awful and I call out awful when I see it, because I expect more of the people in the biggest positions. And I'm looking forward, actually, to the smiling Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson giving me Super Bowl 57. Their work is far less objectionable than Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Now, I'll get Aaron Andrews to go with it, but that's that's a fine trade-off. Think about the volume of words. I won't have to hear Tony Romo speak next week. All right, I stayed calm during that media criticism. Good for me. There is uh, one piece of NFL news today, one of the few notes I wrote down, and I'm struggling. There it is. Um, It looks like 49ers defensive boss D'Amico Ryans is going to be the next head coach of the Houston Texans. Now, as I say that, Um, it probably will be announced within the next hour that he's got the job as I'm speculating on it, because that's the way it has gone recently. I was talking about, I was talking about the Panthers last week. Uh, and before you got the podcast, if you got Thursdays, Frank Reich had been named head coach. I missed, I was late on that one. And a week prior to that, I was telling anybody who's listening to the podcast, I doubt the Cardinals are going to part with Cliff Kingsbury because they just extended him. They got several more years of contract. They're not going to be willing to eat that. And then by the time you get that one, Cliff Kingsbury had been shown the door and given his pass to go to Thailand and post on social media how he's enjoying the big checks without rolling up his sleeves and working for a living. The Texans' job is is only appealing, I assume, to a first-time candidate like Ryan's. I don't, you know, and there's other guys who've been head coaches who will take it because they want to be head coaches if, if they were given that opportunity. But that's really an unappealing job. I, I'm, I'm thinking of what entices D'Amico Ryan's or anybody else to be the Texans' next head coach. I got, I got something for you. They have the number one pick in the draft. If you love C.J. Stroud, if you love Bryce Young, the Texans' job looks nice. Now here's the downside, everything else. Your team is still not recovered from Bill O'Brien being entrusted to handle personnel several years ago. 
He was passable as a head coach, but you put him in the big boss's chair, and what does he do? He trades one of the best receivers in the game, DeAndre Hopkins, for a freaking running back. Let's trade, let's trade Hopkins to the Cardinals because I have to have David Johnson. Houston has not recovered from that. And they fired David Culley after one season last year. And what was he given to win with? A rookie quarterback named Davis Mills. Lovey Smith gets Mills this year with one year of experience under his belt. And he was replacement level as a quarterback. And Lovey Smith is fired after one year. No stability in the front office. And no quarterback in-house right now. That's a town that will get behind you if you win. It's, um, you know, there's some salary cap room there in Houston. But to me, it's, uh, you know, if I were Sean Payton or if I were a guy who had skins on the wall as a head coach, there's no way I'm looking at the Texans job. I'm waiting to see if Brandon Staley coaches his way out of Los Angeles and I can go take over the Chargers while Justin Herbert still has a ton of good miles in front of him. But D'Amico Ryans reportedly is next in line in Houston. Um, Later this week, when I do the podcast on Thursday, I'll start mulling over some of the propositional wagers for Super Bowl 57. I'm not going to spend a huge chunk of time on that um, because if you're not one who does that, it's completely uninteresting to you. And it is uninteresting, not disinteresting. People misuse that all the time. People also say especially and not especially Tony Romo, biggest name offender I can think of. But I'm getting off topic. I'll get to some of the prop bets on Thursday's show, but also explore some other NFL angles. We probably will have more NFL news by the time I drop the next podcast on Thursday. Hopefully there will be some news locally. Now that the Bears have settled on Kevin Warren and anticipation continues to grow for the draft with the number one pick. And I'm sure if you listen to the sports yackers, everything that they talk about the next several days regarding the Super Bowl matchups, regarding the games, it will all go back to what's going on with the Bears. As I heard Friday when I tuned in the radio, I was listening for 10 seconds and I, I heard the great Lawrence Holmes tell me, Justin Fields has more talent than Jalen Hurts. And I immediately said, this is why there is Sirius XM Channel 26. Thank you for listening to the show today. Sam Michael, very happy Kansas City Chief fan, producing the show in Kansas City yesterday. He's finally thawed from yesterday's chilly win by the home team. Congratulations to Sam for being a fan and for being a fan of the right team in the AFC this year. Adam Delavitt is the boss at Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Have a great several days. Hopefully, I'll you'll come back to me on Thanks Thursday for, listening for more to football the Danny Mac Podcast. I'm Dan McNeil, and I'm Network. done for now. Have a great day. Goodbye.